Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Steven, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we've got a new guest that we're welcoming to the show. Welcome, McKenna, a.k.a. Call Me Snips, Ahsoka cosplayer extraordinaire. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're really excited. Yeah, you, you do an amazing uh, Ahsoka cosplay. Uh, our listeners may have seen you... Uh, your photos online or in uh, appearances in the Star Wars show and, and other things. So we're, we're really excited to have you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's great to get to chat Star Wars with people. And especially now that Ahsoka is back and we get to talk about her again. Oh, so excited. Ahsoka's back. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. So fun to have her back. So today we're talking about season seven, episode five of the Clone Wars titled Gone with a Trace, which kicks off, of course, the... Is it the first Ahsoka arc of the Clone Wars season seven? Yes. I would. Mac- yes. Yeah, and I would yeah. imagine it's the only arc. Well, her. I, was, I wasn't sure. She's in, she's in Siege of Mandalore, but. Yes. Right. Yeah. She should appear in all remaining episodes, I think. Yeah. So. As far as we know, I, yeah, I think that's about right. So uh, I'm excited. We get, we get lots of Ahsoka, finally. <laughs> it's been a long wait. What, seven, seven years at this point? It's so, been way too long. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> Um, but first, we actually have some pretty big uh, Ahsoka news um, and just news in general. If you're if you don't want to be spoiled about the Mandalorian at all, uh, please just skip forward. I don't know a minute or or, or two. Um, I'll give you just a second to jump it, just in case. Uh, but uh, it, it, the uh, rumors uh, came out uh, just a couple days ago that Ahsoka will be appearing in season two of. The Mandalorian, played by Rosario Dawson. I don't know about you guys. This this sounds really cool. I can't. I'm excited to see Ahsoka live action. Absolutely, I, absolutely. But I really, really am waiting for the for the Walt Disney Company or somebody to make it official. I mean, I still think this is rumor. I'm one of those where it's like I want it official, yeah. and then I'll be jumping up and down. But just to get the possibility of Ahsoka is outstanding in yeah. the Mandalorian. I'd and, love to see it. And it does follow both. Sorry, I'm in the same boat. It's like uh, it's obviously exciting, and uh, you know, I, I, I'll admit when there was the rumors about the Kenobi show, I was like, yeah, that'll never happen. They've already done so much with his arc with Rebels and everything, and then Lucasfilm came out and said, no, we're gonna do it, and I was like, well, I'm happy that I'm wrong. Yeah. So it's always, <laughs> I will always wait until you know Lucasfilm or Disney is the one to announce things, but it's definitely. Uh, interesting, and it's definitely got people talking about the show. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. you, that's you're 100 percent right because I think people like to jump to conclusions sometimes. Some of these rumors, and so we'll see if it actually happens. But if it does, uh, I think that'd be really exciting. And it does follow Dave Filoni's pattern of bringing in, uh, you know, these characters like Ahsoka and, and potentially others in season two of the of the series. Um, Don't forget the Loth Cat. Yeah, he brought in the yes. Loth Cat. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yes, I didn't didn't isn't this what happened with Rebels too? We got a yep. new original characters in season one, and then season two literally brings back Ahsoka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Well, and, and if you if you remember, actually, I think on, during our reviews of The Mandalorian, we were theorizing that maybe Ahsoka could show up in the show because uh, or maybe she's the one who ends up taking care of the child or something. We'll, we'll see. Uh, That's, there's a lot of really uh, cool well, stuff here. The other, the other interesting question, and I, we could spend more time, but when we get closer <laughs> to Mandalorian Season 2, I sure we'll talk about it more. Um, the last we saw of Ahsoka, she was out starting a, to search for Ezra and Thrawn, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which takes place post-Episode 6, which is the same time frame we're in now. So I'm curious. She'd be in her mid forties, I think. Yeah. So totally possible. Um, I was thinking, did we ever find out who is the mysterious like foot that we saw? No. No. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you you got it already. um, When they killed the the female, was she a? Uh, That was Monying Wang. Yes. Yes. Oh, and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the name. Yeah, you're right though. It's probably. uh, it, it very well could be her. Um, so yeah, we'll, but we'll see. but my my son is going to come back and say, you could definitely hear spurs. Yeah, you could hear some kind of jingle. So he still thinks it's going to be Boba Fett, but <laughs> he's not in the room right now and he can't say anything. So we'll I think yeah. a lot of people want to be Boba Fett. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many rumors up just, there. Either he's way, he's waiting. Either way, I think season two is going to be really exciting with the dark saber, everything they've already built up in season one. Now potentially Ahsoka, so I, I'm really excited. Uh, it will be interesting. I, I trust Dave. It will be very interesting to see what happens. The rumor is that Rosario Dawson will, will play and voice Ahsoka, which will be interesting given that you know, I've always associated Ashley Eckstein as the character. But again, I trust Filoni and team. I know what they're doing. They, they know what they're doing. So I'm excited either way. I'm just going to say. One really quick thing. It's going to be very, very odd to have Rosario Dawson acting the carrier, uh, character and then Ashley vo- doing the voice. I know ADR nowadays is outstanding, but it's still just going to be odd. That's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll have to wait and see what happens as we get closer. I mean, at this point, season two is what, August, I think is what I remember. Crossing our fingers with this virus going around that it's still August. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's very true. Yeah. Thankfully, they did finish um, filming, so it's, it's a matter of what can they finish up post-production. Agreed. Uh, and people keep, like, the argument I keep hearing is, well, just do what they did for Maul and Solo. And it's like, yeah, that went well, but we don't know the extent of her appearance yet. Exactly. Right. Yeah, so, will she be a central character? Will she just be something, someone that shows up briefly? We have no idea. Right. So um, It'll be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah. But in the meantime, we have another Ahsoka episode to talk about. Tom, you want to tell us uh, what we'll be reviewing tonight? Sure. We're going to be reviewing tonight the Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 5, Gone with a Trace, directed by Sal Ruiz and Kyle Dunleavy, written by Dave Filoni and Charles Murray. Now, in this episode, Ahsoka befriends a pilot but must hide her Jedi past while trying to stop a dangerous droid. Now, the Jedi fortune cookie... In this one, it starts with, if there is no path before you, create your own. Yeah, this this episode takes place shortly after um, the season five finale. So it's actually chronologically, I believe it's actually before most of the lost missions in season six. Um, and oh, season I didn't know that, but yeah. that, that would make sense for timeline. Yeah. From mm-hmm. what I understand, at least I, I could be wrong. Starwars.com has not put out an official timeline yet, but that's, that's what I've been able to piece together. I would imagine um, they'll do that 
after season seven ends, they'll put out an official timeline of where everything lines up because it does kind of seem a little disjointed, but it made sense. Bad Batch first and then this one. Right. I would say it's definitely under a year. Yes. Yeah, it has to be. Even with her dramatic physical appearance change. (laughs) Yes. But they've done that before across across seasons. Uh, She does look incredible, though, this this season. Like, I guess she before we get into the story, uh, uh, kind of what, what are your thoughts on her new character model? Um, it's beautiful. I spent, I'll admit, I should have paid more attention in the actual episode, but the whole time I was analyzing everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, luckily, I had already made her jumpsuit um, costume, and I was able to get some looks at some of their character models um, before D23. Um, so I got beautiful shots of the costume, which helped a ton. Um, and still noticed I missed a belt loop on the right side though. That's how Mm -hmm. I'm getting, but like just her face and the, the smoothness of the animation and how the Leku move, um, they were like so dynamic now. Maybe it's just cause they're larger in the new animation rigging, but like every time she turned her head there'd be creases or when she was running it was just really cool and fun to kind of be like all right how am i going to do that because i'm actually mm. in the middle of sculpting my new leku mm. for this costume so i wow. have sculpt next to the tv and i would like spin it around i'm like okay okay <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah i, so I think uh, i'm going to jump real quick on this i think not only was the ahsoka model beautiful but the cinematography in this yeah. episode especially when she's standing on the platform and I think right as that ship rises up from the from below her, mm-hmm. there's a shot of her. It's like a tracking shot, almost on her right shoulder, going to the left. And then you see, and I'll forget her name, but you see the girl coming out from from the wood the workshop. Trace Martez. That, yeah. Thank you. That cinematography was just, especially with that new Ahsoka model, was just gorgeous in this episode. Yeah, I think I even said to my boyfriend who was watching it with me, I'm like, this is so cinematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was actually one of my favorite scenes of the episode, too, because it fe- felt very much like a binary sunset type of moment uh, with Ahsoka kind of just thinking and staring off into the distance. It's Yeah. It For me, that. I've seen a lot of callbacks to the shot of her walking away from the temple, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the shot of her walking into slash out of the Sith temple in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Yes. The three stacked are really kind of like emotional to look at. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, they, they do such a great job with, with this. Yeah, and, and you can really see the progression where, you know, it's it's been seven years since they, uh, you know, since since this show was canceled, and they've really been able to update the models significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we saw some of the you know the improvements in the Bad Batch, but it seems like it's taken an even bigger leap here mm-hmm. but the one thing about this episode that really made it grounded you could still hear the john williams ahsoka theme yes john williams themes and ahsoka, and ahsoka's theme yeah it's like oh, yeah i love it ahsoka's themes is actually one of my my favorites as well in star wars and hearing that again as well as all the classic themes it's it kind of brings brings you back because we we've seen ahsoka uh post this you know post clone wars right in rebels and uh and stuff but this is the we're finally actually getting her her story of what happens immediately after she left the jedi because she left the jedi and we've kind of been hanging we got bits and pieces through the panels and you know uh the ahsoka uh novel and that sort of thing but it's really nice to finally see it for the first time 
Yeah, it's almost weird going so far back. I like, uh, and I because this takes place even before the Bad Batch episodes, right? Uh, I, I would so. think so. Yeah, I wonder if there are one of those things where it's like the same time and place as Bad Batch, but Ahsoka's just over on Coruscant while they're running around in the Outer Rim. Because it's close to the... Well, I know that the later episodes will definitely overlap with Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And from the hologram tease, it looks like Padme's already pregnant. So mm-hmm. less than nine months timeline. So it's definitely, if not you know, a few months apart, maybe during the same time even. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we'll see. I'm very curious to see if there's an official timeline. I get the sense it's probably, I don't know, six ish months before the end of the clone wars still, but, uh, five, six months, but we will, we really will, will not know until, uh, <laughs> until they, they put something out. Officially. But we want to know so bad. We do. <laughs> until yeah. 66 comes and then we'll be like, Oh wait, never mind. Hey, that's coming soon enough. <laughs> Very I mean, soon. put it this way. This is already the fifth episode in this season. And how many episodes are left? I mean, we're going to find out pretty soon. That's true. Yeah. 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 Speaking of uh, throwbacks, though, this episode actually, uh, the, the episode, the whole episode is set in the Coruscant Underworld on level 1313, which, as you may remember, was originally going to be this this big cross-media tie-in uh with the star wars 1313 video game and the a series that was supposed to be uh, the underworld series was supposed to be set on level 1313 and so it's really fun to to finally get a glimpse of of that level uh of coruscant i will say it's pretty cool how consistent it's been throughout because as you mentioned like as we have to go so far back to the point where this was all still a thing um because this was, you know, we'd seen the demo for thirteen thirteen in at celebration, which takes place in one of these kind of super large uh, transit tubes. I guess is what I would call it. I'm actually not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw it in the thirteen thirteen like test footage that got released or leaked or whatever the right word is um, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and now we get to see it here. And they they all look rem- like you you could take it like Ahsoka could walk out of Clone Wars into a shot of like the 1313 test footage. And it all looks like it's the same location with the same kind of look and feel and kind of seediness. And it's, it's just really cool. Uh, it makes me sad. We didn't ever get uh, that as an actual series or well, look at it this way. We have three more episodes of this where it's going to be taking place on level 1313. You'll get a feel for what the game may have been like without the actual gameplay. True. That's true. Very true. And maybe now that they've got more of a footing and understanding for their live action with Mandalorian, who knows, maybe they'll give it another shot one day with 1313. Wouldn't that be cool? Because they had, what, 100 scripts written, I think? Uh, wow. So, yeah, it would be be cool if they could revisit that someday. But for now, yeah, in some cases, we, we you can have, say never say never. We you still never have know. The Mandalorian. Yeah. We have Kenobi We're back talking up. about Clone Wars. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We never thought this would happen. Honestly, I didn't think it would happen. Uh, it's it's still it's still it's still hard to believe. Like we have new Ahsoka episodes, and even though it's here, it's still almost like wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember walking into the panel at San Diego when it when they announced it, and I like that was the least like the farthest thing mm-hmm. from my mind was what was going to happen. So it was okay. crazy. Yeah. 
Well, McKenna, I got a question for you. What did you think of Ahsoka's new outfit in this episode? <laughs> From a practical standpoint, I'd love it because it's got sleeves and it's got pockets, which is something Ahsoka never usually gets. Um, <laughs> but I think it's really cool to see her in something, not that her normal attire was very like typical Jedi, um, mm. but it's it switched up her whole like color palette as mm. well. Um, so it's, it was really nice to kind of see her in a different light, literally in a different outfit. Um, and to see like what, you know, this girl who's in a lot of ways, very sheltered by, from living in the temple, like then you throw her onto the streets and pretty rough streets. And she has to figure out like, how am I going to blend in? And right. that's what her, her decision was to blend in, um, is to go, I guess, kind of undercover as a mechanic. So I'm like, that's actually pretty smart. I'm not sure what I would do, but it's definitely a practical choice. Mm-hmm. It made her, it made her feel more, um, I would say more adult, even though it was kind of like not when, when you take a look at who she was hanging out with, you could tell that they're all still on like the kid level, but she still looked like she was more adult in this case. And also you did get the feeling of even when she was in the shop, she's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there was like a, a deep sadness that we haven't really seen in her before, which, you know, I, I kind of hurts cause I feel for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely interesting to see how she's going to handle uh, the very emotional stuff that we know is coming yeah. and how she goes from such high emotional peaks to being like the very calm, tranquil person she is in Rebels. Yeah. You bring up a good point because for us, again, you know, I think we've said this a couple of times, but it's been a, it's been seven years since we saw Ahsoka leave the Jedi and we've seen her go through so much since then um, in, in, in Rebels and some of the books, et cetera. Um, but for her, it's only been couple days couple weeks since she left the jedi and made this huge choice to go out on her own and and leave everything she knew behind you know her her, her master her family and um you know she was she's she's she was pick you know she she joined the jedi and, and has been with them her entire life and so everything's brand new she doesn't really know how to live in the real world and that's what's kind of neat about this this episode and i and i think this arc is that you know, we get to learn, we get to see how Ahsoka deals with being on her own, not being part of the Jedi, uh, and how she kind of deals with the, the real world of the real galaxy. Uh, yeah, and- I was, I would joke to my boyfriend that um, it was amazing how she was able to not use her powers, um, mm-hmm. like for so much of the episode, like when she was falling off with the bike, it's like, girl, just force jump up but she can't like she knows she can't so it's literally you know uh she has to learn how to physically handle herself too without that kind of gift of the force Mm -hmm. yeah that was another thing that i thought was really fascinating because like uh, having just been playing um like jedi fallen order and everything in that in that game the force is something that's dangerous right if you use it people will come after you um and I had to like for a second. I was like, "Oh, she doesn't want to like let anyone know she's a Jedi, so they don't come after her." I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. This is this is still Coruscant. It's still the Galactic Republic. You know, like it's it's safe, but she the to use the Force, but she doesn't want to use the Force because she doesn't want to reveal that she's you know from higher up in in the in Coruscant. She's not one of the these people in in level thirteen thirteen. It's more because of the not not for fear of her own life necessarily, but more of a social, social reasoning. And probably just 
potentially the fact that she just she's not a Jedi anymore and so she almost doesn't want to use those powers you know right yeah. or it's like you know if someone says well if you're a Jedi why are you down here and why aren't you with mm-hmm. them kind of opens up that's like oh well you know got framed for a bombing got kicked out had to do a trial and then I left it's like kind of painful to live through yeah. again I'd imagine yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. it's easier to ignore it Pretend like it never happened. Yeah, and that's and that's why it is uh, still a powerful moment when she f- finally uses the force to try to save Trace later, uh, and, and then kind of tries to hide it quickly so that no one really knows. But the coolest thing about it was there's always that little kid. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a little kid to see something that's really not supposed to be seen. That, that that's is a laugh for me for sure. Yeah. Oh, that and and also one one other thing was that Godel everywhere? I mean, it seemed like everywhere you turn, there was that Godel guy that the the guy with the the look like the lamb with the spikes on his head. Everywhere you turned, he was there. Tom, yes. that, that was multiple people. You're just you can't stereotype like that. They're different people. Tom. I'm not stereotype. Okay, fine. I wasn't trying to. It just seemed uh, like it was the same guy. Maybe he's just the social butterfly of thirteen thirteen. Right. Probably. <laughs> he knows everyone down there. <laughs> Yeah, he does. He uh, did give encouragement, though, because yeah. I think he was the one that sat there and said, you can do it or whatever. So, uh, uh, so the episode kicks off with some kind of a, a fun action sequence where we see Ahsoka's old speeder um, malfunction. It's it's not the, the highest quality speeder. <laughs> and I, again, it's kind of a nice reminder that she's not part of the Jedi. She doesn't have nice uh, tech anymore. Uh, she kind of had to s- scrape together whatever money she could to to afford this uh, the vehicle, uh, and it almost again kind of reminded me of like the Falcon in many ways. Where like it's it's constantly falling apart. We even get the what a piece <laughs> of junk line. <laughs> right. Uh, I just had the thought actually for the first time about how she would be able to buy it, and I was think the last time we saw her, she had all her jewelry. Um, like from her culture, which I'm sure is nice because you have to earn it, the yeah. aqua teeth and everything. I'm like, I wonder if she had to literally pawn her jewelry because we don't see her with it from this point on. Oh, wow. It's so, a good point. To get her, you know, yeah. less than nice speeder. But because I was wondering, it's a great point because I was wondering, like, where did she get the money? Like, does the do the Jedi get like a stipend? She's kind of saved up a little bit of money and just using what she had or. That's, right. that's even more uh, kind of heartbreaking in some ways. If she had to sell all of her, you know, her her people's yeah. jewelry, yeah, connection yeah. to her people, and like she went out and earned those teeth and stuff, and her Padawan braid, which I just Anakin technically kept. Yeah, as far as we know, I have you think the Jedi would like leave people to set up a little bit more, like help them set up, I guess, post, like, oh, yeah, you know. You're only a former Jedi with abilities beyond the average person. But no, go figure out how to feed yourself. I'm be sure you'll p- make good choices with your literal superpowers. Right. So, like, after so she basically, as she's walking out the door, somebody's going to hand her like her stipend check, saying, "Here you go." Yeah, she have to like go Surprise. back for an exit interview, exit interview, and you know, like get all this. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise! You've been making minimum wage as a Jedi for the last twenty years. We didn't ever pay you, so uh, here's your check. It's you know, $10. Go find a speeder. That would actually be a funny thing is if you actually saw a Jedi exit interview. I mean, heck, we saw Kylo Ren basically do like a undercover boss 
it would be funny to have like a thing to where it's like a Jedi exit interview. I, I will say, I do hope we see some elements of Ahsoka struggling with that in the next couple of episodes. Yeah. I, I, I'm guessing not. Cause I, I'm guessing the focus of this is really going to be kind of Ahsoka on her own, uh, which kind of precludes bringing the Jedi in. But I, I am super curious what Ahsoka is the first, uh, fallen Jedi is not the right word, but like first person we've seen leave the order in canon mm-hmm. or sorry, not in canon, but like in terms of like on screen live, yeah. but like, right. that's also not right. Like Dooku left the order, but we never knew him or saw him pre order. We never saw him struggle with what he did after that. I think it was only in book form that we got that, or was it the audio book? Cause I remember uh, there was yeah, something, we, there was a little bit about that, but it's not a uh, master and apprentice to some there degree. You go. Okay. But it's, I'm very curious to see like, what is the immediate aftermath? Like, like we're kind of joking, like where did Ahsoka get money? But that's that's a real question. Like she's obviously kind of trying to figure out what she's able to do now that she's not part of the Jedi Order. And I wonder, like, does the Jedi Order tell people, like, hey, you've left, so we know you can like move things with your mind, but like don't do it a lot because yeah. if you do, <laughs> you're abusing your powers, and we'll need to, you know, do something about it. Like when you leave Hogwarts for the summer, it's like okay, yeah, exactly. No more magic. I think what what's going to be fascinating is I think that she, you hit a point. I think she's going to be struggling a lot really not to do a tell that she's a Jedi. I mean, even at this point, we saw in this she had to save Trace. She had to use the Force to bring that, that crawler back up. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be a back and forth of, you know, she kept dodging the question, where are you from? Well, I'm from this. Mm-hmm. Then again, where are you from? Well, I'm from Topside. Well, you know, Topside, it's a Jedi and the war and all this other stuff. And she almost, I mean, she did defend the Jedi. The Jedi didn't start this war. So it's going to be a struggle to see how she's going to, you know, at some point it's going to come out she's a Jedi. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's going to be that struggle with her. What's going to be the proper time? And can she t- trust Trace and her sister not to abuse that power that Ahsoka has? And also for Ahsoka not to get wrapped up in something she doesn't want to be wrapped up in. Agreed. I think she's got a little bit of Anakin's not like willingness to showboat, but I think she enjoyed like being a Jedi and mm-hmm. saving people and kind of had the warm and fuzzies. Mm-hmm. So I was not surprised at all when it was the fact that Trace was in danger and saving someone else is what broke her to finally use the Force. Right. So I think it's just like that instinct that I think she's going to have a really hard time getting rid of. Yeah. I, th- I think you're completely correct. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how she deals with it. I think that's going to be the most exciting thing about this arc is that we know the Siege of Mandalore is going to be the big, exciting, climactic moments. But this one, I, I, I suspect, is going to be a lot more of character development for Ahsoka. And even if the events aren't necessarily huge and of galactic importance, it'll be huge for Ahsoka as a character and what she exactly. learns and, and that sort of thing. And that's where mm-hmm. I think... Because I think she's exactly. treating it like a fall from grace. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. she goes from this to being thrown into, hey, you're a general now, go take back Mandalore. And it's kind of like, well, hold on a second. It's yeah. kind of the extremes in either direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. In, in fact, uh, at Celebration Europe in 2016, Dave Filoni, uh, I forgot about this until I went back and did some, kind of, kind of went back and re- reread and rewatched some of those panels. Dave Filoni talked about how uh, there was a scene cut from this episode where originally, even back in, you know, 2016, like they'd been cut, um, or back when they were originally working on the animatics, 
where Ahsoka was going to uh, go and sit down at a park in, on, in, on Coruscant, just a few miles from the Jedi Temple. You could like see the Jedi Temple in the background, and she was she's going to kind of think about her decision and, and almost start to wonder, like, should I go back? You know, did I make the wrong decision? Oh yeah, I've seen some of the concept art for that. Yeah, it was it was it sounded really cool, and I guess ultimately it was cut probably for for pacing or, or whatnot. I'm not really sure why, but um, you know, it's too bad. It's, that would have been a. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, that would have been fascinating. Yeah, I, I, my guess is that was probably more in the immediate aftermath of of leaving Anakin. Um, but yeah, it's you know I, I'm very eager to see more moments like that in this. Yeah, um, I, if I were to guess, I, they'll probably try to get that feeling into the episodes in a different way, mm-hmm. um, which will be interesting to see. Just now that she's with these sisters, I feel like it's going to get more interesting real fast. Yeah. Well, so let's let's talk about the the sisters, Trace Martez and Rafa Martez, played by Bridget Kelly and uh, Elizabeth Rodriguez. Uh, what did you think of the uh, the sisters? I thought they were really fun. Um, I had known from watching the animatics that originally it was a different character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure, like, uh, there's lots of reasons why he was scrapped and the sisters were brought in. I'm sure part of it was time. The fact that they didn't really want to expand on Ahsoka having romantic relationships with anyone in particular, which is kind of nice. Because yeah. um, sometimes that stuff can be forced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's from you know being a female star wars fan it's always fun to see more girls in star wars especially in different roles um obviously you got more jedi and politicians with clone wars but now you get to see the kind of like the underworld like the not quite gang members but almost like mm-hmm. the tougher girls who grew up on 1313 and usually you just think of um you know the the gangs that we've seen in clone wars previously have all been either aliens or a bunch of dudes. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, these two girls trying to make it on their own. And then their character design is really unique as well. And I can probably already hear the sewing machines of people making their cosplays. (laughs) I think the best thing about it was you really got to feel of, they were sisters. It was the, it was the older one looking out for the younger one and it wasn't forced. It just felt very natural. And how it was portrayed, even the acting wise. I mean, I think when it came to Rafa, um, toward the end of the episode, when they were, which I thought this was really cool, when they were at the wharf. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was cool. But some of the acting and facial expressions of Rafa at that part, I think right when she was turning away from Ahsoka to leave, and some of the other expressions, like I was going to say when she's in her, I think, and could, would consider it a laundromat, the expressions were outstanding, but you could, you, you could just, it felt like a very natural older sister looking out for the younger sister. And I'm not going to say a naive younger sister, but just a younger sister who's like, you know what? This is who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the only thing I'd add is, or uh, add's not the right word. The thing I disagree with slightly is I'm not sure the, the verb taking care of is the right one either. Okay. Um, Cause the, a lot of, at least especially this episode, and I'm curious if we'll see it more as we go forward, seems to kind of hinge around the fact that Rafa's maybe not making the best decisions necessarily. And I kind of like the moral ambiguity of like, well, on the one hand we're on 1313 and you know, the two sisters are, have debt that they're trying to pay off. And mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do for that. Uh, uh, but it's, 
you know, like I, I like that for her, but taking the wrong road to do so. Right. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. I totally get and it. I mean, and you're not sure if there is a right road. Right. Right. Exactly. right. And, and that's the funny thing is I get it because at the end, I hate jumping to the end right now because we're in the middle of the episode. But when the, when she sold the droids, it's like, you know what? She had a point regardless if she was going to fix them or not, they were going to get fixed and they were going to get sold. Yeah. So either holding on to them or giving them up, what, or not, you know, or not repairing them or repairing them, regardless, the same thing was going to happen. Yeah. And I really hate to say this, I, I, I would go with Rafa's Rafa's opinion because also she made a little bit more money out of it. But regardless, it was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the episode is is one of the interesting dynamics about this episode is that you know Ahsoka is used to tr- trying to do the right thing and being the hero and 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 that sort of thing and. And now she's getting this really interesting dilemma where she has these, uh, maybe, you know, this, this, um, these, I don't want to, I hesitate to call them friends, but maybe they become friends, right? Uh, that are a little more morally gray and, and are more involved in the underworld and, and, and kind of how Ahsoka has to deal with that because, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she's not a Jedi anymore, but at the same time, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean she's just going to turn to a life of crime and, and how right. does she deal with these sisters where, you know, the, the Rafa is, is a little more um, immersed in that underworld where I think Trace tries to do the right thing and just do legitimate business as a mechanic. Uh, Rafa, she doesn't always make the best decisions <laughs> and racks up a lot of debts and, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting dynamic for for Ahsoka to to deal mm-hmm. with. Definitely, it's like she can't compute it at first, but mm-hmm. she knows she can't like go around and forcing her idea of morals onto people. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, also, I liked that Trace was willing to uh, to help Ahsoka, even though she uh, she clear, clearly couldn't pay. Right? She even says she didn't have any money. And it's never quite clear how Ahsoka's gonna make up for it, but she offers Ahsoka some parts. She even when uh when the the gangster Pintu Son L, played by Bobby Moynihan, is is beating up um Trace because of Rafa's debts, um you know, Ahsoka even jumps in once once Trace asks for help, Ahsoka jumps in and and, and helps fight them, compared to even the original version of the episode where when you had a Nick Sakami, who was originally the, um, as I think you were saying, McKenna, he he was he was a stand-in for both Trace and Rafa. They split the character into two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in that animatic that they showed at one of the celebrations, Ahsoka didn't step in until she kind of negotiated with with uh, with Nick's free room and board. <laughs> um, yeah, mm-hmm. and this time she just jumps in, doesn't negotiate at all. She's like, "Okay, you want my help? Now I'm in. You told me to stay out. I won't. I won't. I'll stay out. But as soon as you're ready, I'll be there." Uh, and so it's really interesting to see that dynamic as well, where Sokas Miller willing to jump in and, and Trace is willing to help out without any really reward in return, as far as we can tell. Mm-hmm. What I thought I found funny about the fight was after it was over, when Trace looked at her and said, how did you learn how to fight like that? And Soka goes, ah, my older brother kind of taught me a thing or two. <laughs> oh, that was one of those moments that just, it hurts a little bit on the inside. Yeah. You could you could tell, but but you're also looking at it as it's the same. It goes to when's the point in which it's the struggle about 
do I tell her I'm a Jedi? Do I have to hide this? How am I going to cover it? You know, she's got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as a side note, uh, the animation on that scene in particular was just fantastic. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, even the just, bruising on Trace's face was just yeah. really well done. Yeah. Sorry, McKenna, I think you had some more thoughts. Oh, no, it's just like the whole fight sequence. It's funny seeing it in the animatic form and then how smooth and quick it was. I feel like I need to go back and watch it at like half speed to really get the full sense of her butt kicking. <laughs> that was she really on. did. <laughs> it was, there was, it was a butt kicking and one, one, good, one good hit to an area <laughs> that stopped it. Yeah, yeah. sorry. I, I needed to linger on that for a moment longer. I, whoever did the animation on the, the uh, I was going to say the goon, um, as he walked yeah. out of the, yeah. the shop, just fantastic. Like, expertly done. It makes me wonder, like, okay, guys, get in the group. I mean, I, I don't think they actually do mocap for this, but I like to imagine someone's like, okay, Bill, you're up today. We need to do mocap for this scene. So uh, just come over here and just uh, don't move for a moment. Pretend. Just pretend. Oh, boy. Um, but yeah, no, so that, that's really interesting. And, and I also like the dynamic of, again, because we're in the underworld, we get to see a different perspective of the Jedi. One that we've seen in the books, but, and, and started to kind of come into play in, at the end of the Clone Wars, but, uh, with like, you know, Barriss Afi and, and, and how public opinion was starting to turn. But really we, we learn that Trace and Rafa don't really trust the Jedi. And in fact, you know, they kind of blame the Jedi for starting the war and, and, you know, all those stories they heard about the Jedi when they were kids don't really seem, you know, they didn't really, the Jedi didn't really live up to those. Uh, and I think that's part of Palpatine's whole misinformation campaign to, mm-hmm. to, to turn public opinion against the Jedi. And that's also going to make it harder for Ahsoka to even mention that she's a Jedi. Although she did stick up for them, because like I mentioned earlier, she did say the Jedi didn't start this war. But it's going to make it harder for her at moments when she wants to use the force, she's going to have to make that judgment call. Do it or do I not do it? Mm-hmm. Like what's the risk versus reward? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could, I, I would look at it this way. If she were to do it, trace may be more accepting than Rafa. That's how I look at it. Oh, for sure. Without yeah. a doubt. <laughs> to speculate, I feel like the only way Rafa would be more willing to accept it is if Ahsoka was saving her in a similar way to Trace. Mm-hmm. Right. And on top of that, what's going to be in it for her? How can Rafa use Ahsoka to her advantage and take advantage of Ahsoka's abilities? And that yeah. is possibly going to push Ahsoka into that gray area again. Well, that, that reminded me too in the trailer that they released just for episode five. Um, when I think it's Rafa who says, you ever, you know, wonder if the troubles may be you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, what, what does Ahsoka think when confronted with, like, am I really the reason why I'm always in these shenanigans and stuff is because I'm a Jedi and I stick my nose in places where it shouldn't be and stuff like that. So it almost kind of felt like, not blackmail is not the right word, but it's like, well, you know, if maybe you're the reason why we're in this mess, not our... Mm-hmm. And I think Ahsoka would have a really hard time trying to wrestle with that because she's always trying to help. Mm-hmm. And you go back to the fight when it first started. Ahsoka's just like, hey, you know, leave her alone. And then there's Trace going, you stay out of this. And then she puts her hands up like, OK, I'll stay out of it. And then there was a certain point in which Trace is like, um, can I get a little help here? <laughs> <laughs> 
that was one of my favorite moments of when the guy throws the punch and she just stops it one hand stops it cold yeah with probably her non-dominant hand of that if i think i'm remembering correctly yeah but that's pretty crazy and trace like i love the look on trace and (laughs) and everyone else is like what is going on how do you know how to do this you're incredibly good um so that we so we moved to the the laundromat for our first Star Wars laundromat I think it's first uh, <laughs> yeah they they use washing machines just like we do got the posters up there and everything with Arbush uh, it was uh, actually a cool design you knew exactly what it was when they when they got in there that was really cool yeah uh, it, you know of course it's just to throw off the authorities right you know it's just a facade <laughs> I did have that moment I'm like wait is this laundromat just a front for whatever they're doing and I'm like oh yeah it is. <laughs> Uh, 100%. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's great. Um, but we uh, were introduced to a, 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 a Twi'lek, uh, Twilight customer named Locan, played by D. Bradley Baker, who I guess is looking for a custom droid. And Rafa, again, always looking for to make some money, even if she doesn't really know how to do it, promises to build him one and assigns Trace and eventually Ahsoka to the task. And this is where, again, we need, we need another nice moment with Ahsoka because, you know, she's been, she's been fighting this, the war against this, the separatists and the droid army for so long that we learned she actually has a, you know, a, a distrust of, of droids, not, not all droids. She knows that there are many droids that can be good. Uh, but mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting uh, layer to add to her character. Yeah, if you spend years with something shooting at you and then you're told to go build one, it's like, well, maybe you'll put this safeguard on it. Yeah. So, and that's another thing for her to have a hard time not talking about. Right, she can't tell anyone why she's worried about it or why she distrusts right. droids. Even if she knows all sorts of things about them, like the fact that, again, a nice little bit of lore that the type 2 binary load lifters uh, are uh, you know just frauds and just dem- demolition droids? Um, kind of cool. <laughs> I wonder too, which I didn't realize it at first. I had this inkling of like, where have I seen this before? Of course, it was in Forces of Destiny mm-hmm. with Ahsoka, and I wonder how far apart these events were from the first time she had to deal with one to dealing with them again, uh, and if that's wow. if the dread was still kind of fresh. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great point. I forgot there there was that was in Forces of Destiny. Yeah, I did too. And then I saw a screen cap from one of them, and I was like, "Oh, of course she <laughs> she says she knows them already because she's done this before." Right. That's a great tie-in. That's awesome. very, very clever. Very very clever. Now, for being big droids, God, they move quick. I mean, just <laughs> what I loved about that droid is as he's trying to round a corner. He skids to a stop. And the, like the flailing arm animation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. And then the, the one, the scene that I loved, I was cracking up about is when the demolition droid that got away, when it jumped over the railing and I think it was Trace turned to Ahsoka says demolition droid or whatever the line was. And you see him knock a box off the railing. Then he goes, jumps, grabs a thing off the side of the building, then hits a parked speeder. Then it's like, oh, I don't want this anymore, and throws it at another speeder and continues on. It's like, hmm, I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to pull this off the wall. I'm going to bash this thing here, and I don't want the stick anymore. Get out of here. And then it takes off. I, I found that very funny. 
I don't know if any of you guys have cats, but to me, it felt like when they do the 3 a.m. crazy running through the house, and it's just like, you know, destroy this, eat this, no, I'm going to nap, wait, no, I need this, I hate this, and they just go back and forth, just while running around, like, skidding to a stop and hitting things, and it it did make me laugh, because I'm like, it feels like they're just chasing a giant destructive cat. (laughs) We've got three, and a dog. (laughs) You understand, we've got two, so. Yeah, yeah. We've got three and a dog. It's uh, a great analogy, though. Yeah, it, it, and this again, we get a kind of a nice chase sequence. I also like the fact that um, Trace's first instinct is to grab a forklift for the chase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it, and it works out surprisingly well somehow. It does. It does. You know, like, uh, it's it's quite the chase. I, it's probably a good almost third of the episode. Yeah. Um, between, you gotta wonder you know, how many of those are laying around, though. Like, how far did she go to find that? <laughs> Good point. Hey, there was one that was close enough for her to grab that just so happened to have the forklift that you could turn sideways and turn into like a grabber. So it worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we, we talked. It about was that. interesting thinking about how easily Ahsoka could have stopped it throughout that the episode as well. Like there's especially when they've got it pinned up against the uh, the wall mm-hmm. and it starts climbing upwards. I'm the only thing I was like, Ahsoka, you just need to like you you could do this very quickly. So even just use right. the force, you know, just a little to get force the leap yeah. and then a flip and then you're good to go. Force leap, press the button, you're done. Yeah, heck, but, she probably then, could have pressed it remotely. You know, just like flipped it from you know, uh, ways away. Hey, look, if Mace Windu can can from remotely behind a ray shield adjust some sliders to a proper code she could yeah she could do it with a button definitely yeah but you see that but then that gets back to her struggling about does she really want to reveal herself to be a jedi yeah i think she doesn't want to because as soon as she does that all the sisters will look at her differently yeah and else will look at her differently and right now she's trying to blend in. And I don't think she wants. Uh, also, like it's got to be hard for her too. Uh, you know, kind of as you were saying, kind of like she's left the Jedi. It, it may be uh, almost like a. She may almost see it like a failure, even though it's, she chose to leave. And then right. it's kind of like bringing back. Like as soon as she uses the Force, everyone's going to look at her as a Jedi, and she's going to be a Jedi again, even though she knows she's she's not. Mm. Um, Interesting. But you see, that's also the funny thing because everybody's going to think she's a Jedi. Because she has force powers. They don't understand that she left the Jedi Order. So regardless, she knows she left the Order. But everybody else will always consider her a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Or even if they know she left, they would be like, well, why did you leave? Yeah. Like, live in a temple. You don't have to worry about finding food. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you don't have to, you don't have to be down here. Right. Yeah. And th- that's another thing that hopefully in these next couple episodes we'll see is this is a time where she can actually have some friends outside of the Jedi temple, or at least a friend. If somehow Trace ends up being a friend, well, we'll figure out the sister, how it goes toward the end. But you know, it's, it's, she'll actually have a friend other than the friend that she had within the temple, Barris Ophi, who basically tried to frame her. Yeah. I say Barris, uh, not a great friend. <laughs> no, <laughs> not a fan. Look, yeah, it was so this... one time you never <laughs> Sometimes you just got to give friends a little bit of leeway. You know, it's okay. Yeah. It was one bombing. Oh, just one. It's also going to be really different, too, for Ahsoka, because 
as a Jedi, everyone listened to her, right? She said something, the, you know, all the clones would, would obviously have to do what she said because she's the general. And even if they, they didn't, uh, I'm sure the general population of the galaxy were kind of look up to her with a, 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 you know, a lot of respect. And in this episode for the almost maybe the first time that I'm thinking about it back through this series, you know, Ahsoka has some suggestions, some valid ones. Like let's get, let's dismantle these, just these, these droids because they're going to cause big problems. Even if they have a restraining bolt, they could fall off. Who knows what's going to happen. And, and Rafa and especially just like completely refuses. And, and even it's like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're new here. I, what I say goes, and oh yeah, when she was putting her finger in Ahsoka's face, the look on Ahsoka's face, I was like, "Girl, you don't want to do that." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and and you almost see like Ahsoka's eye twitching from the restraint. <laughs> Just so one good force push. Yeah, <laughs> you know there is a really nice uh, wharf over here. Would you like to meet the water? I can actually make you really quick. <laughs> want to go for a swim yeah go first i i tell you that still comes back to me to see that wharf in there that was pretty cool That's not cool. never expected that inside you know if it is on level 13 13 never expected that that deep within the planet yeah it's definitely a cool environment that you don't really get to see much of in star wars because yeah. because like in the books that we know that there were parks and other places on coruscant but they were more they're man-made they're rare we knew that there was a like a mountain, I think that that stuck up in one one part of the the planet, mm-hmm. and I think maybe there was water around it. But again, it's something you don't really think about in a sea of buildings. And it's kind of cool to have this 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 lake, I think, um, you know, in in the midst of all of these skyscrapers. And yeah, you know, I don't know what level it was on. If it was on thirteen thirteen, like there was clearly no there were no levels above it, as far as we could tell. You could kind of see the buildings rising in in the background behind it, but. It's a, it's a neat, uh, unique aspect of Coruscant that we haven't seen before. Yeah, it's like, where do these people go and hang out? Yeah. Yeah. They've got to have somewhere to go. <laughs> go on their vacations, go do a little boating, you know? <laughs> now, were those boats actually on water, or were they hovering above water? That's the question. Oh, yeah, Star Wars boats. Yeah. Yes. I guess doesn't the one in Naboo sit in the water? Yeah, it does. The like gondola esque yeah. one. Oh, that did. That's right. So I, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. But you're you're right. I'm sure there's more in the animated stuff that I'm forgetting. Um, and of course, a very brief shot, but we actually get a a, a glimpse of a Tuka cat that jumps on Ahsoka's table. Always fun to see them. <laughs> I love the Tuka cats so much. I'm borderline crazy cat lady in real life. So, or like when you see all of them running out of the alleyway. Tuka or Loth cat? Well, see, that's, I am confused at the terminology, I guess, because I've heard both referring to the same and yet different things. Hmm. Maybe on Lothal, they're Loth cats. Otherwise, they're Tuka cats. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, right? I, uh, Maybe Loth Cat uh, is a specific breed of Tuka Cat. Yes. <laughs> this is a Corsica okay. Cat. I don't know. Happy to see them wherever they pop up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Ahsoka ends up, thankfully, I guess by the end of the episode, she seems to have her bike repaired and, and kind of, or, or at least mostly repaired, and, and Trace offers to help. And But it, 
it really sounds like she's about ready to leave them. Now, I suspect the rest of the episode will, will she'll still be with the sisters based on what we know, but uh, it, it is still, uh, they definitely kind of wrap things up seemingly at the end of this yeah. episode. It makes me wonder what goes wrong that forces her to stick around. Yes. Good point. Because this is, this is definitely the beginning of the arc, right? You can kind of tell it's, it's a little quiet. You know, there's some action, but it's a little quieter, kind of laying the groundwork. Uh, fun fact, actually, about uh, about the the bike though that Ahsoka has, it's actually if it looks very similar to Kanan Jarrus's bike because uh, Dave Filoni actually he liked the artwork so much of Ahsoka sitting in front of that bike. The the artwork you were referring to earlier, McKenna, um, mm-hmm. he that was one of the first things he drew after of the storyline where Ahsoka leaves the Jedi. And he liked the art so much that he actually put it in Rebels. So it's a different mm-hmm. bike, but it is kind of cool that it's the it's it's the same style of bike that Kanan. It's the older model, you know. Kanan got a nice new model when he uh, exactly. moved to Lothal. Exactly. I will admit, I'm trying to figure out how I can build myself one for possible <laughs> celebration shenanigans, but oh, that'd be pretty cool. See how it goes. <laughs> build on top of a Segway, maybe. Something like that. Something that would be interesting. They'd let me in the door with. You never know. (laughs) Oh boy, yeah, Um, yeah. uh, This was a. It was a really. I thought it was an interesting episode overall. I'm very. Unfortunately, you know, unlike with the Bad Batch, we never saw these episodes completed. We only had bits and pieces. Um, so we don't really know. You know, we don't really know much about the changes uh, that were made. We do know that again, Nyx was changed to be trace and Rafa. And I'm very intrigued by how much the, um, how much the storyline may have, or how much, how, how many edits they had to make to the episode in order to separate the characters. Cause like, a lot of the scenes, like the fight scene was very similar, uh, at least based on the, mm-hmm. the animatic, but the, obviously there are certainly scenes where you have both characters and they may have required a bigger, more substantial changes there. So fascinating to see. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me talking about Nick's again, slight tangent, but you guys might enjoy his story. I, the first time I visited California, I came for an event and I was all dressed up as a soga and I heard of the scum and villainy cantina. And so I wanted to make a visit. So I'm standing outside waiting to get in. And this guy turns to me, he's like, oh, hey, Ahsoka, like, can I get a picture with you? And I was like, yeah, sure. Because, you know, I'm standing outside of a bar. It's Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Some interesting people. (laughs) And then this guy goes, I played her boyfriend in an episode of The Clone Wars, but it was never used. Really? (laughs) Really? I was shocked because, like, that's something not a lot of people would know. Right. And so I was, like, instantly, like, Nick Sokami. And he was like, yeah. But, of course take them with a grain of salt because this is you know hollywood boulevard kind of late at night you don't know who you're talking to but mm-hmm. he seemed to know what he was talking about um so yeah i may have met nick sokami outside of a bar in hollywood dressed as ahsoka <laughs> that's impressive <laughs> that's very cool was some guy who just was very nerdy and knew stuff about ahsoka and nicks but it was a very interesting encounter you never know, you know, given where you were, it could very well be, and it could very well not be. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm tempted to believe him because yeah. it is a very obscure thing to just claim. I would too, because you have to know a lot about the Clone Wars in order to, to remember Nick Sakami's name. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
Or do you even know who Ahsoka is? Because yeah. sometimes you go to these events and people still don't know who she is. I'm like, guys, come on. Exactly. You've that got means, no excuse now. That hey, may change it is, this fall. <laughs> and if it is true when it comes to uh, Mandalorian, yeah. a lot of people will know more. That is true. Yeah. They got some homework to do. We do, we do. Watch them all. Uh, well, uh, shall we get into the ratings then? I'm yeah, good. I think so. Steven, would you like to go first? Uh, you would make me go first. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think I'm going to give this, um, I want to say a six and a half out of 10. Um, I enjoyed it, but I definitely felt like they're going from bad batch, which I felt like was kind of classic. Well, classic clone wars kind of war arc to this, like it kind of threw me off a little bit. And this maybe this is I didn't have the right expectations going in. Like I was kind of expecting this would lead into kind of Siege of Mandalore and things like that. Um, and so I went in expecting kind of a more epic uh, story, I guess. And I was a little bit thrown off by an Ahsoka arc that was like immediately post leaving the Jedi. It just kind of threw me, I guess. Um, still a good episode. And I, I have hopes for where it'll go. And I actually liked it a lot more as we talked about it, I think, than actually watching it oddly enough. Um yeah, so I'll give it a six and a half Womp Rats out of ten. Um, and as for the, we were talking about the Tuga Cat or the Loth Cat, whatever it might have been. Um, and you see, the reason is the 1313 is a really, really bad Womp Rat infestation. Um, <laughs> they're just they're just all over the place. So you, they bring in the Loth Cats and call them Tuga Cats. Just, you got to control them somehow. You know, and you can't always call an exterminator. So you just kind of let loose some Loth Cats and uh, rely on them to do the work. Fascinating. Tom. Poor Womp Rats. <laughs> well, what are you going to do to them, Tom? Why don't you go next? Okay. I was hoping you'd say that. Well, I feel bad because I, I love this episode. I I gave this episode an eight. I really think, and I know this the hardest thing about this is, I think for everything I've done so far for these five episodes, it's always been a high score. And it's going to be hard for with each episode to go higher because, I, you know, you're starting so high already. But I really enjoyed this episode because I really love the exploration of Ahsoka and how it started out in this episode. I am really looking forward to seeing how the next three episodes are going to keep her going by way of this exploration of her inner turmoil, outer self, all this other stuff. Um, but I'm giving this an eight because I thought this was really solid. And it was solid and it was a fun episode. My eight Womp Rats. See, here's the thing. The reason why that one binary load lifter went haywire is because inside of it were actually eight womp rats. <laughs> and because these guys were so mad at me torturing them for so long, they decided to take it out on level 1313 since they can't get to me because they're animated. So anyway, these eight womp rats were the responsible party of taking that binary load lifter and destroying that part of 1313. There you go. Very nice. Thank you. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think I'll give this one. I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, it's first of all, it's so great to see Ahsoka back. I love, love, love having Ahsoka back. She's one of the best characters, probably the best character to come out of the Clone Wars, uh, and, and one of the best Star Wars characters in recent memory. Uh, she's fantastic. So I was really excited to have Ahsoka back, um, and. You know, I think kind of like you, Stephen. You know, it's it's not as again, you know, this these events are not gonna, um, they're not, 
they're not changing galactic history. It's not a huge, you know, cataclysmic event type of thing. Um, it's not going to be like Siege of Mandalore. But I love how it, it takes a closer look at Ahsoka's character and how she's dealing with the aftermath of leaving the Jedi. And I still think we're very early in this this journey. You know, this is a four-episode arc where we're going to get more into Ahsoka's head and, and learn what she's thinking and how she deals with leaving the Jedi and being in the real world. And so I think that's really interesting. This is going to be a character development episode. It's an arc. It's not going to be purely, you know, big. I, I would say like the Bad Batch was more action. This is more character development. And then the the third one is just uh, going to be like, you know, massive, you know, probably um, a massive finale where we actually get the, the Mandalorians again and, and Darksaber and Ahsoka's back with the clone troopers and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but this one is it's more getting in Ahsoka's head. And so I, I think the... The story itself of, you know, uh, Ahsoka goes under the 1313, meets a mechanic, needs to repair her speeder, and then, you know, they kind of chase after this droid that's gone rogue. It's, the, the droid going rogue, yeah, it's fine, right? It's 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 great. But it, that's really the backdrop for Ahsoka's character development. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's going to get even more exciting. This is, this is part one of four. We're still in the prologue, really, of this story. And so from that standpoint, I think I'll give it seven and a half Womp Rats. Uh, but I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to see where the the arc continues from here. Um, and my seven and a half womp rats, uh, they uh, they actually work at the laundromat, helping to uh, uh, keep things running. So. <laughs> that's a good one. That's that's a good one. There was an Look, they're cheap that's labor. It's easy. They don't ask any questions. You know, if you are. You know, doing some business on the side. So, if you have a fake laundromat, you need womp rats working there. That's all I'm gonna say. It's part of the aesthetic. Exactly. Yep. And then, then when you need to tumble dry something, you put them in there, and they're on the spinning wheel to make sure the drum spins. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just don't turn the heat on. Oof. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It stinks a little. <laughs> okay, McKenna, you're up. Um, I my gut feeling is to go kind of middle ground and give it a seven. Um, obviously try not to be biased in that it's an Ahsoka centric episode, which I love. Um, but it made me think back to like, okay, I got a lot of people on Instagram telling me that they didn't like it because they felt it was boring. It was slower compared to like you guys were saying bad batch, where it was a more traditional, like more arc. Um, but it made me think back to the arcs where she it, like, it's Ahsoka only. And she's forced to look at something in a way that's not black and white. Like when she meets Lux Bonteri, or when she gets captured by the Trandoshans. Like, Ahsoka can handle a war arc. That's what she does. It's not that she enjoys it, but that's what she's raised to do, and she knows she can do it. When she is the most interesting is when she's faced with things that she doesn't know how to do, mm-hmm. and come to terms with, well, how, how do I feel about this? Um, how does it possibly contradict what I thought I knew about it, and what do I do from here? And so... It, like with the Lux Bonteri, it's like war is not black and white. These separatists aren't actually horrible people. Um, you know, they think we're the bad guys. And it's the same thing with Rafa and Trace thinking the Jedi aren't all they're cracked up to be. Um, so the reason why I give it a seven is because I think she's kind of felt this kind of like anti-Jedi mood before. So it's not as quite as powerful as maybe some of the other experiences she's been, you know, forced to deal with. Um but I still think it's important to her because even though the Jedi like turn their backs on her, 
she's still like that's still her family in a sense so she still wants to defend them um and it'll be interesting to see how long that feeling will stick around because we know by the time in rebels she very clearly states she's not a jedi mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's interesting to see it's because it's these episodes that are going to have the most impact on her and how she'll change mm-hmm. so while there's not a bunch of explosions and action um i think they're just as important Totally agree. <laughs> awesome. And did you want to do anything with your Womp Rats? Oh, man. I don't know. Uh, you don't have to. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm never... Yeah, you don't, you don't have to be cruel. I'm the one that's cruel around here with them. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they can come over and entertain my, my Earth cats for a while. There you go. <laughs> we have a play date. Uh, See how well it goes for the Womp Rats. Yeah, I don't know. How, yeah, how, how, how would they do with that? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> Well, um, coming up next week on Ion Cannon, we have The Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 6. This is already halfway through the final season. Oh, it's hard to think about. Uh, deal or... De- sorry, not deal or no. Deal, no deal. No or in there. Uh, and in this episode, Trace makes a rash decision after learning what they are transporting is for the Pike Syndicate. So mm-hmm. very curious to see how that goes. Also, one thing I wasn't 100% sure, I, I kind of going back through some of the old panels, and uh, again, skip forward a couple seconds if you don't want any theorizing about what's happened, but this is all in panels previously, so if you attend the celebration, it, all this news is out there. There was going to be an arc or a storyline where Ahsoka finds a Jedi temple underneath Coruscant, uh, underneath the, sorry, a Sith temple underneath the Jedi temple in Coruscant, and... Um, and what I'm not 100% sure is if that's this arc or a separate arc. I've, I've kind of heard conflicting reports. So, so it'll be very interesting if, that's that, if that ends up happening here. Because then it maybe this arc could be actually a much bigger story than maybe we're expecting. Right. That would be interesting. Initially, it was supposed to be the same arc. But since it was cut down, I'm not sure how much we'll make it in. Yeah. But it definitely would be interesting because you're like, hold on, Jedi. How did you not realize that there's a Sith temple literally in your basement? <laughs> yeah, like thousands of years. Exactly, or or maybe they did know, and it was intentional. Like a lot of, you know, a, a lot of religious places are built on more pagan places, uh, on, on pagan sites. You never really know. That's true. Um, maybe that was maybe it was intentional to kind of like con- you know contain it or something. Uh, well, oh, this, it would be cool this to is see going- her insidious kind of face off. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm not going to claim I was the first to point out, but in that one day in Rebels, she fought Maul, Vader, and Sidious and didn't even lose a, a limb. So it'd be interesting to see if she's got experience fighting him before and just didn't know it. It's true. Or, good you point. Know, or if she was just really having a good day in Rebels. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I can always ask the Sith Holocron. I have it here with me as, <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> There you go. Oh, man. So, oh, anyway. Oh, anyway, we'll get back to the show. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, and with that, McKenna, we'd like to thank you for joining us this week. It was really fun to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's fun to be back talking about Clone Wars and Ahsoka. Oh, it's, it's so it was cool. nice having you on. Do you want to, uh, for those of you, for those who, are, who are maybe uh, don't, uh, aren't familiar, did you want to tell them where they can follow you if they're curious to see more of your work? Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram at callmesnips. Um, I do have a Twitter. I'm still trying to learn the Twitter, so I'm not as active on there. Um, but I'm trying to be, but that's where I mostly post. 
it's it's pretty great. How many different Ahsoka outfits do you have at this point? Um, good question. Let's see. I have traditional Clone Wars. I have her slave disguise. I have Mortis. Wow. I have Rebels. I have Ahsoka the White. I have her Siege of Mandalore. Technically, I made a quick version. Going to be revisiting. Um, and in progress, I've got her her tube top one. Um, I want to make the scuba one just for laughs. <laughs> walk around celebration with flippers or something. Wow. I have a plan to make uh, that's a of them. So awesome. I that's, think I'm about halfway there. That's really cool. <laughs> that's impressive. Well, that's cool. Check out, uh, everybody should check out your Instagram account. If they're curious to see more of those pictures. They are very, very impressive. Oh, and of course I have her jumpsuit. The one that was in this episode. How did I forget that one? <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. You, you do such a great job with that. Um, so thanks again for, for joining us. We're glad sure, to have you, you on. And, and yeah, we'll be back next week with uh, our review of Deal No Deal. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.